Hi, this is Millie, and you're listening to the Escaping Narcissistic Parents podcast, where you'll find the validation and love you've been looking for. Welcome to my new listeners, and thanks to my loyal friends. Please follow me on Instagram at Escaping Narcissistic Mothers, all one word, and I will put all this in the show notes. Before I start this podcast, I wanted to remind all of you to please go to my Instagram page and look at my stories, which is in my profile, my profile picture, the butterfly, and go to the Facebook group. The group is is private and safe. I have to um, approve the posts that go in and look at the people that I'm being allowed that are being allowed into the group. And you guys can talk about your personal issue, right? Not just posts about narcissism. And I plan on also doing support groups on on the internet, on Zoom, as soon as I get enough people into the group. So please don't forget to go. I will also put the Facebook link in the show notes. Hi, everybody. I hope you're having a good day and a good week and a good month and a good year. Well, the good year part I don't know about, right? Is it just me? I don't think so. I think there's a lot of us that are kind of struggling this year and it's not just related to, you know, the narcissistic mom or dad situation, right? It's the whole world seems to be upside down. I don't know. Um, so what I wanted to talk about today is something that I really never touched upon, but is extremely important, I think, to have acceptance of in this process of realizing that we had toxic parents and trying to understand it all, we have to give ourselves understanding and grace. This is not about tough loving ourselves out of this situation or out of feeling the way we feel. This is about giving ourselves the space that we need right, to feel everything and mourn and cry and scream. And even if you're a guy, and and no matter how far we get on this planet, things are always going to be, socially, they're just going to be different for men and for women, right? If you're a guy, you deserve the same thing to be able to feel and cry and scream and then and then release that moment in time, right? Whatever it was that you remembered. But what happens to the stuff that we're confused about? And what I mean is we have the symptom as an adult 
But we don't exactly, we can't pinpoint what happened when we were children or growing up that made us this way. And let me give you a concrete example. For me, it's never feeling beautiful, no matter how many times my husband says it. And especially right now having a an autoimmune disorder in which it's it, it's connected to my thyroid and I've gained a lot of weight. The medicine for it makes you gain weight. And it doesn't matter what you eat or you don't eat, you, the weight just stays the same. It's been the same for about two years. So... How, why is it that I feel the way I do about myself, right? And I want to talk frankly about this because I'm still in the healing process and and I will be in it forever. And so will all of you. You know, there is no magic pill. There is no magic therapy that will heal you you will you will start healing you will feel better but the healing process is forever and especially if you have a lack of memories from the past you have holes in your childhood like i do then you may have even more of a chance of something coming up later on you know 10 15 years after you've got no contact, you'll have a memory. You know, I'm actually terrified of finding out what it is in my past. I am. I. I just. I. I'm suspicious. Um. And I'm scared that one day all these memories will come back, and what I'll remember is terrifying. And I'll have to relive it because right now I don't I don't remember, right? I hope that's not the case, but it could be the case. So what do we do in the present time? One of the things I've learned in this process is that you don't have to relive every moment of your past in order to heal. What I'm saying is if something comes up and it makes you feel terrible, that's something that you do have to process, right? You have to process it because it's there for a reason. It's telling you, hey, listen to me. This is a hard one. You have to feel it. You have to be angry at the parent that hurt you, right? For some of you, I can imagine you do remember a lot and it would be an, a never-ending process. So therapy for us is more about changing the belief systems that we have in our heads about ourselves, right? I have never been a confident person right? I know that I'm smart, right? That's not something I ever doubted. I know that I'm smart. 
But physically, I never thought I was pretty enough for anybody. I've been married twice, and my second husband, literally everyone calls him Superman because he looks like, you know, Clark Kent. That's what they say. So, number one, there's good-looking guys who are great guys. And number two, I was able to attract him. Now, there's always that that thing in the back of my head that says, yeah, but you were thin when you, you know, the only time, the only time in your life you were really thin, that's when you met him. But he's not that type of person. He's not. He, before he dated me, he dated a girl who was, who was overweight and, and it, you know, that's not what he looks at for in a person. So where is my insecurity coming from? When I think back to my childhood and my teenage years, my mother, I don't remember my mother doing or saying too many things related to my weight. I do remember her calling me piglet, which me, which is in Spanish, cochinita, for those of you that speak Spanish. Um, and I remember being around eight or nine years old and wanting to buy a waist cincher and getting one. She bought it for me so that I would have this, this flat stomach when I was eight or nine years old. Why did I have it in my head that I had to wear a waist cincher at that young of an age? That is one way to screw up someone. I'm surprised I don't don't have an eating disorder. Well, that's probably not the case. I don't binge to the extreme where I've seen binging, but Maybe binging was my issue. Now I can't because with autoimmune disorders, you get stomach issues and, you know, you just can't. You eat a little bit sometimes and you feel like you're going to explode. Um, but at eight or nine years old, I should not have been wearing a waist cincher to look thin when I was a child, Right? I was always chubby growing up. My dad is overweight. My mother was overweight. I I don't my mother was never she wasn't overweight, but she's not thin, right? By overweight, I mean she wasn't obese, right? She, but she was never thin, right? And I can't for the life of me, think of the point where she said something or did something. I remember when I was 13 years old. So this was a point where I had just gotten my first period. Um, I was starting to look different, right? I was starting to look more like, like a, a, you know, the way a teenage girl looks, not the way a little girl looks. You know, you might my little curvier and and you know, it just that's what happens with girls. And I remember we were going to someone's house to visit and she made me wear 
like a a, a be- belly shaper type deal, you know, like sp- like spanks, but they weren't, you know, full on spanks. I was thirteen again. What is the need for that? Now that was so ingrained in me that I continued to wear the waist cincher and the the those what they look like underwear, but you know, like to hold in your belly way my entire life. And I never thought anything of it. I thought it was normal. I never thought that people didn't wear those. So I continued wearing these throughout my adult life even until maybe a few years ago when I got married again. That's when that stopped. Where I wasn't putting things because I was thin when I got married and just I just decided, well, if I'm getting heavier, so be it. I'm not going to put things on that, that don't let me breathe just because it was somehow put into my brain that that's the way I should look. I do remember one day and I don't remember what day it was, like what, what the occasion was, but I was at my parents' house as a, as an adult. And my mother was like, you're not wearing one of those undergarments. And I said, no, I'm not. I don't wear those anymore. You know, or she made the, it was either that or she made a comment that I should wear it. So obviously she's the one who put that in my head. And that's where my insecurity comes from. But I'm not exactly sure where it started. Like, where did she start telling me or showing me that? I needed to wear these things. So that's the thing. You have to work on we. We have to work on what are our issues right now and changing that mind frame, right? That framework in our in our own heads. We have to change those things. To reflect who we are now. Right? Post. Abuse. Right? We don't have to go back and fix. The original wound. We have to fix. How we think now. And I'm trying. I'm trying. With this in particular. With not being so ashamed of my body. Because. My body is a vessel. It's not the greatest body in the world. And I mean that because now I have an autoimmune disorder and I have other issues. And right, it's it's not the most healthy body. It's not the in the greatest shape. But it's my body and it's what gets me around. It's what gets me from point A to point B, regardless of what I look like. And we should rejoice in our bodies, regardless of what we were taught. Regardless of what we were shown. That we need to hide the bulges and we have to, um, you know, try to look thinner. I, I've gained weight and unfortunately, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but double chins are hereditary. Because there are women that are like way heavier 
and and don't have a double chin and I have this horrible double chin and I'm very self-conscious and I'm having a hard time letting it go like not worrying about my double chin cuz I'm not going to have it surgically fixed so I'm having a hard time with it I don't go anywhere you know, I'm still I'm still in COVID mode only because, and I know I shouldn't say the C word, but in pandemic mode. Because, well, where I live, it's it's really bad, and I do have an autoimmune disorder, and I'm really really I. Now they're coming out with some studies related to the autoimmune disorder, and it can affect it. So I'm terrified. I don't want to get the C word. You know, and you know, if your opinion is different, that's fine. That this is my, you know, my health situation. I have to be careful. So we have to look at what our symptoms are right now and change that. Not the symptom. Change the the mindset. Right. So one way you can do that, and this is silly, but I got this from Chris Godinez, which I I talk about in several podcasts. I'll put her name in the show notes. Um, Look her videos up. Is doing mirror work, and that is just looking at yourself in the mirror. And I know it's going to be uncomfortable and, and feel silly, but it's important that you do it. Look at yourself in the mirror and whatever it is that's going on with you, that's what you need to address, like in a positive way. It's never say no, not it's, it's in a positive way. Hi, how are you? Have a great day. You have a beautiful body. Take care of your body. That's, that's how we should talk to ourselves. And after time, your brain starts to believe that and overrides the false programming that was given to us originally. There's so many false programs, right? And I know a lot of you may have had um, issues with religion, right? And and some of you are still religious, Um which is is surprising to me it really is because I went through boy I went through some I'm st- I still go through it from time to time it it's just this thing where religion was used against me so much I mean so much that I I I just can't believe that that's what religion is about I know that you can change the way you view religion and God, right? And and say, well, God is this and not what my mother showed me. But it's just hard to believe. It, even in, in religion or God when these things happen to us, right? The basic things that we should have in our lives which are parents that love us and care about us who are not perfect, right? It's not a matter of being perfect and knowing 
every answer, knowing how to handle every situation, because no one can do that. But truly caring about your child, the way I care about my daughter, the way I love my daughter, every bit of advice and everything that I think and everything that I do, I do because I love my daughter. I do it for her best interest and not mine. And that is the difference. That what our mothers did to us was in their best interest. They didn't care about us. You know, they, they, they didn't. They All they wanted to do was use us. If we did well in school, they used us to brag and to take credit for it. If we did poorly in school, then, oh, wow, watch out for the wrath. Now, another thing that I'm having trouble with currently is a friend that I have. And I know she's not going to hear this podcast because I have sent her many things and she's never read them. She has... A husband who is, he's more than a narcissist. There has to be other mental uh, issues going on with him, the way that he behaves. Um, I, I believe that there's paranoia. So there's other things going on. It's not just narcissism, but narcissism is definitely part of it. And he's extremely abusive. And I've known this for years and not being able to say anything because you really can't when it's a friend. Recently, for some reason, me and her have known each other since we were 12 years old. 11, technically. We were about to turn 12. Um, So we've known each other a long time. We're both going to turn 48 soon. Her birthday's in September, mine's in October. Um... She finally moved out and moved in to a family member's home. And during our conversations, like I, I thought, oh my God, this is my chance to, to say things. But she said that my thinking was black and white. And the reason that I'm even mentioning it is not because of my issues with her. It's more what happened later. Like, this conversation happened yesterday. And I was sitting in the living room with my husband, and all I could think about is, is my thinking black and white? Like, do I just see everything as either good or bad? Because that's a narcissistic trait, is seeing things as all good or all bad. And then I thought to myself, no, My father has done so many things to me. And I still attempted to have a relationship with him when my mother died. Right? So my my thinking is not black and white at all. It's very gray. All right? There's a lot of gray area in my thinking. But she made me feel insecure. And made me think, am I... Not who I think I am. 
am I not a person who is who is generally a good person? Doesn't try to hurt people. Am, am I wrong? Can I? Am I a narcissist? And not say she made me doubt myself. Now, number one, she's going through a lot, and she's projecting because she knows how much I know about this, and she doesn't want to hear it. That's the bottom line, right? Number two, why did I take it so personally? Again, this is something that I have to reframe my mind. And again, I mean, I literally asked my husband, do do, do I think in black and white? Is, is Are people all good or all bad? And I know they're not. There's lots of examples of, of people whom I just... I like, but I just they don't don't have a close relationship with, or you know i I don't think that you have to be all one thing or all another. We're human beings, right so yeah, I mean, this was an issue for me last night. I know that that's not the case i i I was able to think through it and talk it through with my husband. And go, no, I'm not a black and white thinker. This is her issue being projected onto me, right? She's not a black and white thinker either. I Actually, if anything, she she gives people way too many chances. She's a, a perfect empath because of the years and years of horrific abuse from her husband. It just, that's what happens. I know what's happening. You know, I can see it. And she went through and not knowingly told me every narcissistic trait of her husband yesterday. Not knowing that she was basically listing <laughs> all of the traits. But instead of accepting it, she she turned it around and said that I, I just think of people of black and white. I assume that, like I said, it's not a, it wasn't about me, it was about her. Now, recently, I've had doubts about this relationship, and it's not that she's a bad person. Here we go. This is why my thinking isn't black and white. She's not a bad person. She's a great person. I'm the one that can't handle this anymore because, honestly, for the last two years, we've had long conversations. Sometimes it was more more than once a week, and it was her talking at me. It wasn't even us talking with each other. And I did the same thing I always did yesterday. I just let her go. As far as let her talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Right? And rant and and, and, and go off. And, and I said nothing for the most part. Because I already know that I'd be wasting my breath at this point. So I know that I have to distance myself. Now, there were a lot of changes. I hadn't talked to her in like three weeks. And in that time frame, there were a lot of changes in her life. But not necessarily ones that she's, I guess, I don't know if she's happy with them or not. I'm not here to judge any of it. But it was about me. It was, you know, this. I'm talking to you about what happened with me. And that, yeah, I have to protect myself a little bit from, 
her bad energy. That's what it is. And it's not a, a, a two-way relationship, but it never has been, right? Since we lost contact for many years, and I looked for her because we were friendly in high school. But as, I, as, as I've had more conversations with her, in her mind, her friends were this other group of girls, and I wasn't really one of her friends. I've got proof that we were friendlier than she remembers. Um, I was looking at her yearbook. And in in the comments under her picture, that the permanent, you know, typed out comments, she wrote me a little message. And I wrote a message to her on mine. We were friends. But in her mind, her friends were this other group of girls. So... I'm starting to think that this is not the best friendship. And I'm not cutting her off completely. I'm just stepping back to protect my energy. And that's that's, that's boundaries, right? And boundaries are with a lot of people. We have to have boundaries with people. And the boundary doesn't have to be, I'm never going to speak to you again. The boundary could just be, I'm going to, I'm just going to step away. Step back. Let you figure out your life. I am not your therapist, right? But we are, because we're empathic, when we come across someone else who may be suffering, we take in all of their pain and we can also be in the situation I'm in where the person, they get defensive around you. I guess that's what's happening. Like she gets defensive because she... In her, I guess in her mind, you know, I'm the narcissist mother person and I cut my mother out and she would never have done that. But she doesn't know that for a fact. Her mother passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. But she doesn't know what, what she is capable of. If you're abused by someone you're, and you just can't take it anymore. You know, she knows my story, but people still can't accept that. Um, so we have to work on how we feel now, as opposed to working on our, you know, trying to work on everything that happened in the past, because we don't remember everything. Now, I, the last podcast I did was a podcast to validate you guys, right? Because the DMs I get most of the time is a new person who found my, my podcast and they're so grateful that I've put my story out there. And that's not even what I talked about. That's not even, that's nothing. <laughs> what what really changed my life happened to me when I was 42 years old. I think I talked about that in the podcast. I'm not, my memory is terrible. I, I don't remember, but um, I was raised at an only child. Um, I've said this in many, many podcasts and the whole story's there. Um, if you're interested, go back and look for the podcast called The Day My Life Changed. I have two, but the most recent one. It's the same story, just new perspective, right? Um, when I was, I'm going to be 48, so this was five years ago that this happened. Um, I was raised an only child. Um, told that my parents had been married to each other and no one else. And we were like this really tight family. 
right? A bubble. And no one else was allowed in, really. And when I was 42, I got a phone call from Puerto Rico. And I don't... Well, I thought I didn't know anybody in Puerto Rico, right? So I didn't... My parents are from Cuba. So I... I just, I said, ah, that's probably a mistake or whatever, you know, wrong number, just uh, declined the call. And then I got a text. And the minute I got the text, I started crying. My husband was like, what's the matter? What's the matter? And I couldn't tell him because even though in my mind I knew what it was, I couldn't tell him ahead uh, before I had the proof. So I said, I can't, hold on a second, hold on a second. I text back and forth. I asked this man a few questions to make sure that it wasn't someone scamming. Um, And he knew the answers, you know. Only my brother would know those answers. And it was my brother, and as it turns out, there were three of them. So... I was not an only child. My dad had been married twice before. My parents never met in Cuba. They met here in New York, in the United States. Um, My mother, it didn't take my mother nine years to get pregnant, like she always told me. My name is actually meaningful with that, and I'm not ready to just say it quite yet. Um... But let's say it has to do with the fact that it took her, quote unquote, nine years to get pregnant when it took her months because she only married my dad the year before I was born. Right. It took my mother literally like six months to get pregnant, not nine years. Um, <laughs> And even with all of that, people still didn't see that what my parents had done was wrong. People are okay with this kind of crap. I don't I don't get it. I don't I will never understand how that is okay. Now, some of you may be like, but your whole thing is about your mother. Yeah, cuz my mother was the one behind the lies and the secrecy. Okay? My mother was the one who manipulated everything so that my dad would not see his sons. That doesn't take away responsibility from my dad at all. But the toxic narcissist was my mother. My dad is a toxic enabler. Okay, I'm not not taking away from that. And especially now, he can go bark up a tree because I don't care. I'm done. After almost a year, he's still crying over my mother. Has some sort of shrine, apparently, in the house. He can... I hope he spends the rest of his life crying over her. Because certainly... Accepting his daughter, the only person in this planet who is related to him, who is willing to talk to him, he is he is turning his back on over... His dead wife, who was abusive, and he knows it. He saw it, and he helped her. All right. So that's another thing I've had to recently just make a decision because I was spending so much time going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, 
thinking, should I, should I try and contact him again? Maybe I should just show up at his house. And I thought to myself, you know, I finally said, you know what? No, I'm not. The, the fact, it, it was worse when my daughter was coming to visit because I know that she's going to go see him because my ex, <sighs> my ex forces her. That's, that's a whole other issue I don't want to get into because that makes me furious. Um, the reasons, these are the reasons I want to move from Florida, but finance, the state of the country and finances and trying to do anything financially, unless you're wealthy right now is just impossible. It's impossible. So I'm, I'm a sitting duck. I was waiting. That's how it feels. I'm just waiting for my fate. <sighs> I know that you, a lot of you guys probably feel the same way I do. That you're just kind of sitting waiting. That nothing's happening and that any plans you had that they're just not happening because it's it's impossible right now. But the truth of the matter is, is that happiness has to come within us. It's not an outward thing. It's not it's not the amount of anything that you have or, you know, it's not material. Happiness it, material things can make you comfortable and less worried about things, but it's not going to make you happy. And I know that. <clears throat> and I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on trying to be happy in a situation that's that's challenging to be happy in, right? The 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 whole country, the whole world is just upside down right now and and it is what it is right um i live in a county where they raised the electric bill now luckily the house we live in isn't large enough this is affecting people with money which is i'm sorry it's hilarious because usually things happen it only affects middle class or below and the older rich people don't give a crap about it. But this time, it's affecting them more than us because they're 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 really overcharging. And there's a reason for it, but I can't go into all of it. For electricity. The electric bill just went up. For us, it went up a total of like maybe 50 to $75. There are people whose electric bill tripled in one month. Okay, and they were, I'm on the Nextdoor app, which I try not to look at because it makes me crazy. But wow, are they upset about that electric bill? Oh, did something affect you now? Did it hit your, finally something hit your pocket? Because it's always been the little guy who got the short end of the stick. So, you know, I'm not happy with it, but. To be completely honest, I'm glad that the electric company did it the way they did it. The more there's like a, a schedule on how they're charging. 
Like if you use this many kilowatts per hour, this is how much we charge per hour. If you do if so the more you use, the more you get charged. And that's why some of their bills went up three times. You know, we're tripled. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at it. It's just that where I live, it's it's a lot of retired people with money and they don't care about young people at all. Like they really don't. They're very selfish here. Um and this is not black and white thinking. This is me being generalizing it but i've seen their comments their mean comments on the next door app anyway i'm just venting i'm sorry um so we have to look at what we do what our attachment styles are for example romantically you know are you one of those people who if you start dating someone and they don't contact you immediately you start to obsess about it. That's not that's anxious attachment and that stems from mom not taking care of you of your needs as a child, right? That stems from that. Um I don't know. See, I this is why I'm confused because I was never that type of girl. I never was. As a teenager or older, I was never the type to chase a boy or to sit by the phone and wait for a phone call if I met someone, right? I, if it didn't happen, it didn't happen. That's, that's, that was always my motto. And I don't know why, because I should have been the type to really chase after the guy, right? I should have been that girl, that girl that was obsessed with the text. Well, not when I was growing up. Of course, we didn't have smartphones, but, you know, waited by the phone all the time. But I didn't. And I didn't do it when I got divorced either. I just, that's just not who I am, you know? Um, I think partially was because I was also on an antidepressant, which... Made me not care about things. If you don't like me, well, I'll move on. Bye. You know, that was my attitude. Um, I don't think I'd ever be like that. I, I'm, that's just not me. But I know that some of you are like that. And, and it's because you have that anxious attachment. And that's what you have to work on now. You have to work on the how your behaviors are now. And, and changing the mindset, right? So what is it that you're worried about? What if the guy or the girl doesn't like you? What if they don't like you? Is it going to be the end of the world? Right? No. I mean, think about it, especially if it's someone you went on one date with, for example. Because that's what I've seen with a friend I had that she would go out with the guy and he wouldn't follow up with her and she went bananas. She went, she went as far as trying to get one fired. This guy fired. It's so wrong. It's just not right. If someone doesn't like you, they're showing you who they are. They don't like you. They don't have to like you, right? That's reality. They don't have to like you just like you don't like some people. And if they treat you poorly, 
Oh my God. Thank you for letting me see how you treat women or men. How you treat people. Right? I'm sorry that I, because I'm a woman, I think of men, but it's women are just as bad. Of course, right? <laughs> so, it's uh, anxious attachments. We have to learn to be okay with not getting a response. Or, you know, having a different perception of, I went on this date and I thought he was great and he didn't like me. That has to be okay with you. And it's not a reflection on you. It's a reflection of who he is. He just, you're not his type. He's not a bad person for it necessarily because of it. Unless you slept with him and then he ghosted you. Then that's a different story. But that's, again, uh, you almost have to be grateful and say, well, at least I didn't get too involved. You know, but I know there's a lot of stories of years and years of abuse from from a partner. Um, so I've been talking for a while now, and I went on my own rant about <laughs> different things, even the electric bill, because these are the things that are going on in my life. And I, you know, my podcast is about the narcissistic mother, but. What if she's not in your life? There's so much other things, so many other things that are happening that have nothing to do with her that still affect us. The thing is, we have to treat ourselves with compassion and give ourselves grace. Not get angry if we're not where we think we should be because we are where we should be. Right Where you are right now in your life is exactly where you are meant to be. Um, and the things that happen to us, everything changes. Nothing is permanent, you know? I mean, not nothing is permanent. That's not a correct statement. A lot of things are not permanent. So if you're going through a tough time right now, things will get better. You know, if if you do, if you have tarot cards or have had a reading, the Wheel of Fortune, the Wheel of Fortune always turns and spins because our destiny is not stamped. Our book is not written. We're writing it as we go. So write what you want in there. Take care of yourself. Only focus on those memories that pop up as you get triggered. Those are the bad ones. Those are the ones you need to work on. Don't try and go back and remember things. Just focus on those triggers Those memories, do the work on those. Feel your feelings. Feel what it felt like to be in that moment. Cry and scream. Yell at your mother. Tell her what you would have told her now. And then release it. Okay? You're going to see how much better it is. You're going to have a lot less triggers as you do this more and more. 
But don't try and go back on purpose to remember things because that just traumatizes you. That's different, right? You want to work on the things that are actually that are part of your CPTSD, complex PTSD. And those are the things that get triggered. Like you're watching a TV show. Something similar happens on the TV show. All of a sudden, you're no longer paying attention to the TV show. You're in your head remembering something and you have to pay attention to that. Okay? But be kind to yourself. Okay? Reparent yourself. I'm going to I'm going to tell you one last thing and then I am going to end the podcast. This has been a long one too. A few days ago, I had the most wonderful dream. And I'm going to tell you what it is because it's something that I haven't wanted to tackle, which is the inner child, right? Working with the inner child, asking the inner child what she needs, being her parent, because it's difficult. It's difficult. And so first of all, we're not, it's, it's not, it's you, right? So it's, it's not two different people, but you almost have to look at your inner child as a different person. So my subconscious decided, fine, don't do it while you're awake. We're going to do it for you. I dreamt that little me, seven-year-old me with my communion dress. It's so, like, spot on. Showed up at my job in New York, the job I had for years in New York. And I looked at her, and I knew immediately it was me, right? Little me. She looked at me and didn't recognize me. She didn't know who I was. And I said to her, look at my face. Don't you recognize yourself? And she goes, oh, yeah, it is me, isn't it? And then she grabbed my hand and we like started skipping. And I showed her around where I worked. Like if she had been my child. Most wonderful thing ever. I was able to tell my child. Literally in the dream. I hugged her. I hugged her where she first showed up. And I held her hand. And you know I. I was happy. I uh, I was a happy child. But I needed to do that work and because I just am being stubborn, I guess. I I just don't want to do it in my waking hours. I have books on working on the inner child, the inner child work workbook we're supposed to it's just the things you're supposed to do I just feel kind of silly and just that having that opportunity to be so kind to myself as a child in a dream there's nothing better for me 
I dream every night and I remember my dreams every night, every morning. And they've gone from horrible, not nightmares exactly, just not good dreams because it involves people I don't want in the dream. My ex-husband, my mother, my father, you know, to being with little me. Little Millie. I just, I'm grateful for that dream. I am. All right, guys. I hope that any of these things that I said to you were helpful. Even, you know, not being in a great place financially. It is what it is right now. I just hope that I'm I'm able to give you a little bit of comfort in knowing that you're not alone. Because you're not alone. And I love you guys. And I will always be honest to help you. Alright? I love all of you. And I hope that you continue to listen to me. For your own, you know, thinking about your own life. And, and saying, what can I do to get rid of this trauma? Or, I'm not alone. We're all in this together. We are one human race and we should be acting that way. Unfortunately, you know, that's not the case. But we should be acting like one human race. Doing things to better the human race. And instead we've just split and hate. And it should be about love. Okay, loving yourself, loving your neighbor, loving everybody and coming together and saying, no matter what you believe, I love you. Let's work on this together. Let's make life easier for everybody. Maybe one day we'll see that. Who knows? All right, guys, I love you. And until next time.